Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GoDigital, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them, from the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. Welcome to The Photo Detective, where we cover historical image analysis, genealogy, and how to work with your family photo collection. Imagine being able to save your digital family archive without spending a lot of money. Think of it as your own sort of digital museum collection and being able to share it too. That's the premise behind permanent.org. I'm not sure how I missed my guest at two Roots Tech conferences, but I did. A big thank you to Nancy Desmond of MemoryWeb for reminding me of their service. I have to admit, I still didn't believe it was for real. An archive for genealogists? How could that be possible? Well, it is, and as a former curator, it's a dream come true. It's even better than you can imagine. In this digital age, we worry about changing technology. But with permanent, that's not a concern. If the photo formats change, your material will be migrated. And by the way, be sure to listen to the very end. My guest has a special offer for you that you don't want to miss. Dr. Robert Friedman has over a decade of experience in the nonprofit sector, focused on developing an inclusion and ethical digital community. As the executive director of the Permanent Legacy Foundation, Dr. Friedman is building a nonprofit historical trust to guarantee secure digital preservation for all people. Previously, Dr. Friedman led the Mozilla Foundation Internet Health Agenda in Texas, working with Austin community leaders to advance digital inclusion, internet decentralization, open innovation, online privacy and security, and web literacy. As a community organizer in Chicago, Dr. Friedman worked with museums, cultural institutions, community-based organizations, and schools to advance equitable access to digital learning opportunities for young people. His nonprofit career began at the Adler Planetarium, where he established a STEM program for young adults at a world-renowned museum. Dr. Friedman holds a PhD in astrophysics from the University of Chicago. He is a 2019 Leadership Austin Essential alum, the Community Tech Network Board Vice Chair, and a freelance data and learning evaluation consultant. My guest today is Robert Friedman of Permanent.org. 
And this is a website you have to know about. Imagine keeping all of your family archives in one place. Yep, that's what permanent's all about. So Robert, thank you so much for joining me on The Photo Detective. I can't wait to talk with you about this. Hi, Maureen. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. You know, been kind of keeping an eye on the work that you do, and it's really an honor. Thank you. So why don't you explain a little bit about what permanent.org is? I mean, you and I have talked a little bit. We've, you know, missed each other at Roots Tech. And then suddenly I stumbled across permanent.org again, and I was like, wait, what? It does what? And I have to admit, it's, it's, it's very cool. So tell us more about it. Yeah, it's funny you bring up Roots Tech just because we've been kind of circling each other around the memory web booth, I think, um, mm -hmm. for two years now. But permanent.org is really working to make it possible to preserve the family history that folks that in communities like the Family Search Roots Tech community have been working so hard to capture in their personal or in their family digital family trees. So we're, we're really wanting to make it possible for that history to be preserved, but we're also thinking about the future. So history that haven't, people haven't kind of made yet. The active preservation of born digital materials that families are creating today so that future generations can not be in a, don't have to be in a position where they have to redo the work. So that sort of idea of digital preservation, not just storage, not just documentation, not just sharing, all of those things, but for an extended period of time beyond which traditional digital for-profit solutions in the market have promised to keep things or committed to keep things. Okay, so a lot of companies say they're going to keep everything permanently, but as you and I know, technology changes, website changes, the world changes, but permanent.org really does have an intent to keep everything permanently. And you told me a little bit about how this got started and then what's happening behind the scenes to make it permanent or to keep it permanent for people. Yeah, you know, I think there um, is, you know, intention is good. And for one thing, the number of organizations, companies that are, in, that intend to keep things for their clients for an extended period of time are, are somewhat limited. The market is flooded with solutions that have, you know, monthly, monthly subscription plans or maybe even one-time payments, but with a uh, limitation um, of one kind or another that's, that's sort of imposed by convenience for a for-profit enterprise to structure themselves um, in such a way to, you know, guarantee continued revenue and the like that, you know, company needs to sustain itself. And so for, for most, for most of the solutions that folks have in the market, they're convenient and, and they're great. I'm a Google Drive user. I'm a Dropbox user. I, I, I use iCloud. I have many fingers and many pies when it comes to my own personal digital solution because we do believe lots of copies keep stuff safe. And that's, you know, the much of the premise that underlies permanent isn't for you to eliminate those things. But there is a missing gap in the consumer technology market. And there are a few companies that have stepped in to fill that gap. 
and I'm sure your listeners are familiar with with some you know some of those poss- potential solutions. But I think what makes permanent unique is that we're taking a nonprofit approach to this. And why I stress that is because intent is one thing, but it takes an institution, an organization, and and a certain set of policies to make intent reality and to sustain something for the long term. You know, we see this in our society today where, where, where folks are clamoring for change from all sides and are, are battling out how they want to, you know, what kind of world they want to live in. Regardless of your, of your position, those intentions don't become reality until you have policy, until you have structures in place that ensure those desires are enforced or, or maintained. And that's really what that nonprofit piece for us is, is the governance structure and organizational model. Um, and it comes with certain advantages that, you know, a traditional business doesn't necessarily have. The key innovation for us is that the store, the consumer storage piece hasn't been attempted from a nonprofit perspective before. And that's, that's really the new novel you know, innovation we're adding to the community. You know, I'm happy to unpack that. It means a lot of different things. So your permanent is offering storage, digital storage, a digital archive to individuals to save their materials, essentially. Yeah, we, we like to talk about the platform being, you know, a consumer platform right? So the, the typical thing a business would produce, you know, your tip, but, but our organization as a nonprofit is more like a museum library or university or religious organization. These are institutions that typically weren't accessible to the general public, right? If we think about the history of, of if we just think about history, you know, and the roles that those institutions play, they've been collecting the stories of the most rich, famous, and powerful people, but they don't necessarily collect the stories of every individual. And that's because it's expensive. It was historically very expensive. You had to build a pyramid to be remembered for a thousand years. But in today's digital age, storage is dirt cheap. Um, it's not free, which we're led to believe, but it is cheap. It is very cheap to store enough information about you that someone could reconstruct a pretty accurate life story on in a gigabyte and a gigabyte is a pretty low cost, you know, bit of, you know, package of storage. So what we'd like to do is extend that pyramid building kind of experience to the individual consumer. And that's why we built an institution that is on paper equivalent to some of these other culturally respected organizations and extended the, the work that those organizations do down to the individual person level so that people, families, small organizations can also add their contributions to the ages. So you take care of the ongoing cost of storage, so there's no subscription fees, and we'll talk about that in a minute. You can upload from any device and sync. Plus, this is really cool you actually update the files that are stored through permanent.org throughout technology shifts so they're always accessible. That is amazing. 
but why don't we have to worry well, about you. why don't we have to worry about subscription fees? Everybody has a subscription fee. What's different? Why don't we have to think about you know funding this for the rest of our lives? Yeah, I think uh, subscription fees they're like rent, and rent is nice because for someone who doesn't have the resources to buy, uh, you know, make a big down payment. Rent allows you to live in your own home, even if you don't own it. And that's how I like to think about subscription fees. They are ongoing, you know, they're, they're ongoing commitments that ultimately don't build your personal wealth. Permanent is taking a different approach to that model. But there's a reason why typical storage companies use subscription fees. And there are good reasons where you store things and the software you use to get those things you store into the hardware, we know technology is just evolving so quickly that companies don't want to commit to a certain, a certain you know, uh, price range or uh, commitment to their consumers when, when there's going to be big shifts. And so the typical way people think about getting you know, ongoing revenue and making those flexible adjustments is through subscriptions. But that's not the only way to do it. Permanent has a recurring revenue stream also. We just take a different approach to it. We take the let's buy a house, not rent a house model. So when you pay for storage on permanent at $10 a gigabyte, we take that money and we invest it. And we invest it in something that's called an endowment. And this is where that nonprofit piece is more than just a you know, policy. It is also an advantage because a nonprofit endowment is a legally structured tax free investment vehicle that's available to nonprofit organizations. And so when you buy storage on permanent, you're actually making a donation to the Permanent Legacy Foundation. We're taking your donation, we're putting it into our endowment, which is that investment vehicle. And what we do then with that endowment, that donation that you contributed to the shared endowment, is you know, we we manage it the way that all investments are managed and it makes an annual return. This is how Harvard sustains itself. This is how, you know, big museums like the Natural History Museum in New York City might sustain themselves. This is a common practice in the nonprofit community. And so that return on that investment pays the ongoing costs of maintaining storage so that we have our recurring revenue stream. We're just shifting away from the burden of monthly payments to a one-time upfront investment to sustain that ongoing expense. So you're saying I can have one gigabyte of storage for $10. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Now that actually can feel like a lot because you know for $10 a month, Dropbox will give you a terabyte. But we know, and I have seen Dropbox's re- reports, that no one's using a terabyte of storage for one thing. They're just paying for it. And for another thing, that's $10 a month. And so month after month, it's $10 again and again. What we've done is we've extrapolated out and said, okay, well, let's say instead of paying $10 a month, you paid some amount up front and we earned a return on that amount. Would that be enough to cover the cost of a gigabyte of storage? And the answer is yes, because as a commercial entity, we have access to cheaper storage. We access storage that most consumers are unable to, you know, like Amazon. Web services, of course, has S3 storage. People are familiar with that. 
That's where most companies are storing your stuff. But as a user, as an individual user, for you to put your materials into Amazon's S3 storage system would be quite quite the challenge, quite the personal challenge. But we, because we have access to that, our monthly cost per gigabyte is lower. So when we do the math, the number is about 10 bucks forever. And you give us 10 bucks once, we put that away, and then we are able to use that $10 to pay the cost of storage indefinitely. And one of the things that helps, one of the things that makes that possible is that the cost of storage decreases over time, just like the size of computers decreases over time and the power of a computer becomes cheaper and cheaper and cheaper over time. You know, you pay the same today for a computer that you paid back in 1998, but the, the kinds of things the computer can do is are phenomenally greater because the cost of computing decreases over time, the cost of storage does over time. We can say for sure that we're going to be able to pay this out in the future because it'll be cheaper than it is today, or at least around the same price. Okay. So let's switch what we're going to talk about for just a minute and talk about access. So anyone, any museum, any archive, any person can have storage on permanent.org for a set fee, a one-time fee. But what about access? Who can access? How do they access? How can you share what you've got stored in your digital file? I mean, that's key as well. It's all well and good to, you know, sort of put it in digital storage and hopefully not lock it away forever, but to be able to do something with it, to be able to invite family to collaborate on family stories or create a family archive that people can collaboratively add stuff to. So how does all of that work? That's a great question, Maureen. And access is part of our mission. The mission of the Permanent Legacy Foundation is <clears throat> to preserve and make accessible the legacy of all people. So it's not just the preservation piece, it is also the access piece. And that question is, is a tough one because access means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. In some ways, storage is the easier problem to solve because storage looks like mostly bits on a hard drive. But access might look different depending on whether you're a parent wanting to create new traditions with your children, you know, a family historian wanting to preserve the research you had done uh, for many years, um, or professional photo organizer helping a family sort through their, you know, piles of old photos and scan them into the system. So both upload and access, you know, can vary drastically depending on the user. What we're doing are two things. One, we're building and we built and it exists and you can log in and use it today. A pretty nice uh, user interface to access and organize your storage. And in fact, we're very excited about the fact that we're going to be transitioning from an old version of our user interface to a really snazzy looking new version that's coming by August. We should have that fully released. And today, you can beta test the new version of Permanent, the new Permanent experience by logging in and finding the little beta test um, button at the bottom left corner of the user interface screen. By the time this podcast airs, we may have already launched that and deprecated the old UI. So the user interface that we provide, and I can say a little bit more about how that works, is the first answer to your question. And the second one is we want to make it possible for any company, any software developer to access permanent storage and provide unique services 
to their community. We realize that we can't serve everybody, can't build the perfect thing that works for everyone. We believe in an ecosystem of applications. We believe in the ability for different businesses to work together collaboratively. And so we are releasing what's called a public API for those of you listening who are more technically inclined um, or entrepreneurs who may be interested. We are releasing a public API. There's bits and pieces of it already live on the web that will allow application developers and businesses to connect to permanent storage and serve their clients that way. So you create an archive, but then how do you find material within that archive? File name only or, or is metadata searchable? Yeah. So that's a, another great question, a very practical question about what it's like when you actually get into the, into the software, when you log in. So we, there's, there's a couple different ways folks can store, share, and access information. So first of all, you mentioned earlier about the technology and how we convert files. We always keep the original. The original is always intact. Whatever you upload to us, we treat as sacred. We don't modify the file in any way. We don't strip the metadata. We do nothing to it. We store it for you. Now, we will make copies for, you know, because lots of copies keep stuff safe. And we may make conversions of that file so that in the future, if that format is obsolete and you can access it. But metadata is something we take seriously and we preserve. Now, you can edit the metadata in your file, and we're working on making sure through our work with the Family History Metadata Working Group that when you edit metadata, we do help you save it out to your file if that's what you'd like to do. We're working on that feature. But at present, we keep those edits inside of our system uh, because, like I said, we had originally envisioned keeping files sacred. But like I'm suggesting, we would like to amend that approach, and we're working on a new feature to do that. Once you've edited the metadata in our system, it's now searchable. Our old user interface did not have that option. So our new user interface now has a, a global search inside the archive, meaning you can search by file name, tag, date, and other um, search parameters that we're rolling out over time. And it'll search all files, all folders, and return a Google-style sorted list of uh, matches. So searches now become something that I think is going to be just a breeze for folks in our system. And like I've already kind of covered, your ability to edit files is, is part of the system as well. There's more I can say about discoverability, about making things public and sharing them. So I'm happy to elaborate further, but I, I definitely want to get to your questions, Maury. Sure. And you can delete it at any time. So you set up an archive and then you decide you don't want to have the archive anymore. You can just delete it. But can you? Can you download what's in your archive? Say you lose everything on your computer. You'll then be able to download what you have in permanent? Yes, ma'am. We, we do not claim ownership of anything that you upload to our system unless you explicitly transfer rights to us, and we have a system for doing that. When you upload a file to your permanent archive, it's private by default, and it belongs to you. And if you want to download it or delete it or delete the whole archive, you have the right to do so. We, our download features are currently file by file or folder by folder, not entire archive. We're working on rolling out a full archive download or export feature. 
our deletion feature is archive by archive or entire account. So when we, unlike some other providers who do what's called soft delete, which means they remove your credentials, but they keep all your stuff mm -hmm. um, for whatever purposes they signed it over for, we, we will hard delete materials if you so choose that you have not made public to us. And that's part of the nonprofit thing. And it's worth mentioning that we're private by default and we make it possible for people to download and delete and, ex and exit the system because we think it's important from a consumer perspective to gain trust and make sure people are very intentional about what they release to the public. But we're also a nonprofit organization and it would, wouldn't be keeping to our mission if we didn't create ways, pathways for our users to leave behind materials they think they, the future generations will value. And so we do have a publishing feature that allows users to make their materials public. And that is part of our nonprofit mission is to help users collect things that they value, keep them safe and private, and then release them to the public, friends and family on a schedule that makes sense for them and selectively, not, not all at once or but file by file, folder by folder, as they think what they have to contribute is of value. And we also have multiple archives, meaning when you set up an account, you don't just make one archive. You can make as many archives as you wish. They can represent different people, families, or organizations. So you can make archives specific for community-based purposes and archives specific for private family-based pur purposes and keep those two things separate. Okay. So this is all really interesting, but I'm the kind of person that when I hear a, an interview like this, immediately wants to go and give it a test drive. So anyone can go on permanent.org, set up an account, you know, a user account, and then there's things that we can actually see and use and touch and play with so that we get a sense of how this might work with our own archive. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. We are live. We have thousands of users already in the system. We have people uploading many gigabytes a day. We're, we're a young organization. We're a nonprofit. So there's much to improve, much to learn. We really value feedback from users. So we have people writing us daily with questions, concerns, improve, suggested improvements. We have friends in the community who are volunteering their time um, to help us improve. And I think every one of those people will tell you that they've seen you know, re real meaningful improvements to any issues that they've raised. And so I, I encourage your listeners to create an account. And, you know, if they like what they see, let us know. And if, if they want to see improvements, let us know. Reaching out to us is easy to do through the application. My guest today has been Robert Friedman of permanent.org. And this is a game changer, I think, for family historians. If you've ever wondered, what am I going to do with all my stuff, all my digital files? I want to pass it on for the next generation. I want to make it available. Check out permanent.org and see what it does. See how you can have an archive and then imagine the possibilities. Robert, thank you so much for being on The Photo Detective. Maureen, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Permanent has a special offer for listeners of this podcast. You can receive three gigabytes of free storage on permanent.org. All you have to do is go to permanent.org forward slash PD to open your very first permanent archive today. 
And by the way, let me know what you think about it. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. Leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.